Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 97. One thing that exists at the World Trade Organization to improve relations between the Global North and the Global South is special differential treatment for developing countries. Hello, welcome to Trade Finance Talks. My name is Natasha Roston, Head of People and Growth at Trade Finance Global. To many, the trade finance industry might seem a daunting and highly technical sector. They might consider the challenging landscape and particularly prevalent this year as well as the complex language and array of finance products. However, what we often lose sight of are the people behind trade, those advocating and negotiating international trade deals. Today, I'll be speaking to Clara Weinhardt, Assistant Professor in International Relations at Maastricht University, to learn about the human elements of trade negotiations. Hi, Clara. Could you please tell me a bit more about yourself and your background? Hi, Natasha. First of all, thank you very much for the invitation. I appreciate being here. I've been working on global trade for, let's say, the past 10 years. I'm particularly interested in global trade governance and in particularly how global trade rules structure relations between the so-called developing and developed world. And one entry point for my research has always been to think about the trade negotiators. So I'm a qualitative researcher, so I actually try to fly to the locations where trade negotiations take place, speak to the trade negotiators, and then to try and reconstruct through the perspectives of the trade negotiators what has actually happened. Why do some agreements end up looking the way they look, or why do some negotiations fail? A human perspective when thinking about global trade has always been central to my own research. And this is how I also initiated the Faces of Trade project. Thank you very much. So obviously, as you said, the background or the context of trade is, is fascinating and insight those the behind the doors that no one really often gets to see or witness. But how did it actually evolve in terms of you collaborating and working with the World Trade Organization? Let me maybe firstly say a word about Faces of Trade. So Faces of Trade is an online gallery. It combines portraits of trade diplomats with short quotes that capture their personal perspectives on trade multilateralism, so the workings of trade diplomacy. On the one hand, the gallery builds on findings from a recent research project of mine that was funded by the German Research Foundation. But on the other hand, it's been kind of a long-kept desire of mine to find a way to make trade policy more relatable. Because after working on trade policy for many years, I encounter that when I speak to people outside of the trade bubble and they hear I'm working on trade, they usually quickly zoom out because they think it's trade, it's technical. I don't really know what's going on. It doesn't concern. That's unfortunate because global trade is such a powerful part of world trade politics and it really has an effect on many, many people that may not be aware thereof. So I'm really eager to find ways to make our communication about trade more relatable. And this is where the Faces of Trade gallery project came in, because the idea is really through these portraits of trade diplomats make their work more relatable, because people see it's actually humans that negotiate these trade agreements, they come in with their own personal stories and hopes and memories. And all of this shapes the outcomes of trade politics. 
And in terms of how the project evolved, I must also mention that I co-developed it with a photographer, Chantal Gomez, who is based in Switzerland. It was a key moment when I was reaching out through my networks, mostly like my research networks, when the World Trade Organization itself signaled that they are interested in coming on board insofar as they, that they would be willing to help us implement the project. So in practical terms, this meant they agreed to open the doors to me and the photographer to say, you can host the photo shoots for this project in the World Trade Organization's headquarters. And they have this beautiful atrium where everybody, when grabbing a coffee, you're going to the next negotiation session. And this is where we were allowed to set up the photo shoots. And I think this really was crucial for the project because it helped access to trade diplomats who are willing and interested in participating. And especially since we managed to have these photo shoots just a couple of weeks before the ministerial conference took place in Geneva. So this meant the building itself was full of trade diplomats that were walking around. So this was ideal for us as we were trying to also get trade diplomats interested in participating in this online gallery. Amazing. And it sounds, I mean, even when you're telling the story, it sounds like there must have been such an awesome buzz from you being there and, and the excitement of it. And as you say, that getting to glimpse with the stories of the people in and out of the negotiations, like really live at the time. I think for me, fell in love with the project when I first saw the photos. And as you say, straight away, when you see their smiles and reminding that that's a face of trade you just don't see. You always see the numbers or the stats and it feels a bit more distant and concrete from it. But seeing their smiles and some of the quotes bring it to life. And they really are people, as you said, you know, like I think it was on the first one talks about relating to what she's saying, like what her dad thinks she does. You don't really think of them as professionals in that way and having a family and relaying what they achieved that day and, and what a phenomenal impact that they can have on, on the global community, which I'm sure everyone watching and viewing the campaign can kind of be a part of that excitement as well and being part of it. It's a very refreshing outlook on trade that I think you're showcasing. On that excitement, it was also interesting for us because we had pre-arranged a number of these photo shoots, but we were also open to on-the-spot participation. And we had two days for the photo shoot. So on the first day, we mostly had participants who signed up beforehand and it was more difficult to actually find participants on the spot that we approached during the coffee break. This is our project. Do you want to participate? It completely turned on the second day. I think people got used to us being there with the setup for the photo shoot. And we had people approach us. Hey, I heard about your project. Can I participate? And then suddenly ambassadors lining up for the photo shoot. So there was also a nice dynamic on the ground as we implemented the project in terms of the photo shoot. Wonderful. I know you talked about sharing their hopes and their goals for it. I suppose turning back to you and like, what was your goal for the project? Like, what did you really hope to achieve by showcasing this? I think this goes back to what I mentioned originally. So my hope really is to find ways to communicate about global trade that make global trade policymaking more relatable to a broader public. So precisely move it out of the Geneva trade bubble and make it accessible in ways where not only the trade experts may be interested in seeing like, okay, what is actually going on in the World Trade Organization? Who are these people? Where do they come from? This is just a small starting point. There's a broader need for these narratives that make a broader public understand that on the one hand, trade policy is actually just negotiated by people. It's not something that just is imposed from somewhere 
by some kind of structure, but to appreciate where it's coming from, but also to realize they may be able to influence themselves. And it's also about their own lives. So I think this is really something that I hope this gallery can make a small contribution towards. Thank you. I love that. You've got a very clear commitment to that. And you can tell as you're speaking. And for me, what really resonated, as you said, that was about this is only a starting point, whether it's about money or time. But like, what would be next then in terms of your part of this? If if you were going to continue to pursue this, like, do you have step two of the project lined up or or where do you want to take this? One thing that the photographer and me discussed, that it would be nice to also have an offline exhibition. So we would love to see these portraits somewhere in print in a larger scale. And we have ideas to approach the city of Geneva to see if they have some facilities for outdoor exhibitions. Maybe this could be another way to reach a general audience that doesn't even have to click on the link for the online gallery, but actually gets to know these trade diplomats when walking by at Lake Geneva. But we, of course, open to other venues as well, and then to hopefully slowly build from there and and see where it takes us. Nice. Thank you. I know you're talking about getting to a wider audience and as it's for us with our work at TFG when working with the trade finance gap and how historically SMEs have faced many hurdles within this sphere how do you think a more personal approach to trade diplomacy can help also break down their hurdles or how do you think this can maybe impact them on a day-to-day? As much as I believe in the benefits of a personable approach and creating these new narratives about uh, global trade policy I must also admit They cannot change everything. And especially when it comes to technical hurdles that many SMEs are facing, this is ultimately also a problem of lack of financial resources, lack of training, knowledge, where you have real structural asymmetries that don't just go away because we know these are people who are facing these challenges. But what I do believe is that these personal approaches can help bring awareness to a phenomenon in global trade. So such a personal approach could also be used to showcase the hurdles that entrepreneurs are facing across the world when they actually try to seek to engage with global trade and make use of some of the rules that exist that may be to their own favor. And here, I believe raising awareness can be, of course, a first step towards a a broader consciousness of, okay, maybe there are these underlying structural causes that also should be addressed. So it's, of course, just a small piece of the puzzle to make this turn. But I do think also when thinking about journalism and topics that are covered, I do feel that trade doesn't often receive the attention that it should. So I think it's a topic where it's important to try and move beyond these technical reports on trade to really show there are people behind it and it matters to their life to maybe help make it more approachable, but then also raise awareness of what's going on, which means people can also put their foot down if there's something that they want to fight for. They have to be aware of it as a first step. Agreed. You're right. It's so often, I would say it's in the news, but never officially claimed as trade. And especially in light of the current geopolitical climate, everything, all the actions, all the, as you said, free trade negotiations or not, and the discussions, everything permeates about trade and everything has an impact on people's day-to-day lives, but it's never necessarily shared in that case in terms of those stories or those narratives. I think then moving forward, like how do you think businesses and individuals can kind of strengthen trade diplomacy or play their part in that? How can businesses themselves strengthen trade diplomacy? Do you think there's more that businesses or, or individuals could do in terms of communicating with trade diplomats or 
having a larger voice in that aspect? This is a question that where the answer depends very much on the context. I'm based in the Netherlands. For European countries, the European Union takes the lead in trade negotiations. And I have no doubt that European businesses are very good in making their voices heard in Brussels with the Director General for Trade. But if you go to smaller developing countries, the channels between not only civil society, but also private sector actors and government officials negotiating these agreements may be less open. So I think there it is really important because trade negotiators also need to know and be aware of what are the interests of the stakeholders in my country. So I think it would be important to sometimes strengthen the institutional setup that allows for exchanges between the trade diplomats and non-state actors, broadly speaking. So not only business actors, but also civil society actors that engage uh, with trade policy. Thank you. And do you think that's possible in terms of the practicalities? Like, is that doable in the foreseeable future? This is already happening, of course. There are many countries where we do see that there is increasing awareness of these actors that they need to also speak to the trade diplomats or the trade policymakers in national governments. But of course, it is also a question of resources. So to the extent that Small entrepreneurs lack the resources. If you work in the informal sector, you're not going to lobby at your national government to take a particular stance on trade policy making in Geneva and the next ministerial conference. I think this is why I believe that it's important to also have in mind how global trade rules shape global inequalities rather than just thinking about how individuals in maybe places that are more marginalized and disadvantaged should do more to engage with global trade policy making. Yeah, 100%. I was going to say it also ties into whether then if everyone's also almost advocating for their own trade negotiations or their own trade relations, like how that impacts. There's a way if we're doing it ideally in the best situation where everyone can benefit from trade. But if you're doing it way in terms of countries becoming more regionalized or isolated, if trade is becoming more localized, Actually, could that have a detriment on the wider circle? And how could that impact trade relations as a whole in terms of if the country is only focusing on their own agenda, the impact that that can have on sort of global trade negotiations or relationships? From your research, and especially in light of this campaign, again, given the current situation, like how do you think wider international trade relations can be improved? I think what you say about countries putting their national interests first That's really important, and that's something that resonates also with the goals of the Faces of Trade Gallery in the sense that it's not just about making trade policy more relatable, but also about changing the narrative about trade multilateralism and how trade diplomacy works in the World Trade Organization context. Because the dominant narrative is a reflection of what we have seen in the past years, which is a return of economic nationalism. I mean, national interests have always been guiding forces in world politics, but we do have seen a crisis of trade multilateralism that to some extent has been unprecedented. And I think this crisis can also become self-perpetuating in the sense that if governments do not believe that trade multilateralism can lead them anywhere, they're also not going to put any resources and time and effort into helping to reinvigorate it. This is also where the phases of trade gallery seeks to change, or maybe not change the narrative, but showcase different narratives and show these diverse 
individuals that are negotiating trade and the ambitions and hopes they really have. Because this is something, I mean, the diplomats I interviewed for the gallery, they of course come with their different perspectives, but all of them were eager to make it work. And you could really feel that. And I think that's a narrative that also shouldn't be forgotten, especially in times when trade multilateralism is in crisis or is perceived to be in crisis. If we give up on it, it's also not going to get better. So the Faces of Trade Diplomacy campaign obviously builds upon your research into trade diplomacy. Looking at your findings, how do you think trade relations could be improved? Thank you for the question. One thing that exists at the World Trade Organization to improve relations between the Global North and the Global South is special differential treatment for developing countries. So this is a principle that has been there basically from the start of the multilateral trade regime that tries to acknowledge that some members, developing countries, are in a structurally disadvantaged position and hence need exemptions and flexibilities. And what my research shows and what we've seen in the past years is that this principle has actually become a hurdle to achieving meaningful outcomes in some areas of negotiations because it has become so contested who counts as a developing country or not, and whether or not large emerging economies in the global south should still be allowed to have access to these flexibilities that are meant to address development challenges. And what my research on special differential treatment shows is that it's such a politicized topic, it will be very difficult to resolve this issue by introducing clear-cut criteria of who counts as a developing country member in the World Trade Organization. So if anything, we do see that change is happening on a much more informal basis, where we do see that larger developing countries voluntarily take on more obligations compared to smaller developing country members. So I think this is going to be the way forward, but it's a tricky issue and it needs to be resolved and there needs to be some political willingness to also make sure that the system that was put in place to protect the interests of developing countries is actually able to deliver meaningful outcomes for these disadvantaged members of the World Trade Organization. Thank you for that, Chloe. And I love the messages of hope. I feel like that's been prevailing throughout. And the idea that trade obviously can open doors for change, for greater quality, and actually hearing a glimpse or getting that taste of the behind the scenes that the people who are making this happen. And as you said, how actually looking at the human side actually can be the most unifying aspect amidst all this crisis that you described. It's absolutely been fascinating to speak to you today and, and hear everything about what you're doing and the campaign and wish you the best of luck with it. And really intrigued to hear next steps moving forward and actually how this will have an impact on the greater audience and hopefully achieving exactly what you'd set out to do. So thank you very much for your time today, Clara. Thank you very much as well. And if you're listening and you're interested in checking out the gallery, I would recommend you to go to www.facesoftrade.org and have a look yourself. Thank you very much and goodbye. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.